and welcome to Devotions on the Psalms, Israel's Songbook, a podcast by Christ Lutheran Church in Brea, California. On this episode, Pastor Eric Lawson leads us through Psalm 45. Hello, welcome back to our Psalm devotional. This is Pastor Eric. Um, pray that you're being blessed today and pray that you will be blessed as today we dive into Psalm 45. Um, so before we begin, let's uh, start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of your psalms. We thank you for your servants who spoke your word um, that you used to speak your word. Lord, bless us as we look at this psalm today. Help us to see how it points to your son, Jesus Christ, so clearly. And Lord, remind us that all of scriptures points to your son and the salvation that he wins for us through his death and resurrection. Lord, let us follow in his footsteps where he leads. We pray this all in your precious son, Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I'm really excited about this psalm because this psalm's a little bit different from the other psalms, or at least we're going to focus on it a little bit differently. So usually with these psalms, I've been reading the psalms first, uh, maybe giving a really brief introduction, uh, and then uh, reading the psalm and then talking about it. But today I want to talk mostly about the psalm, and then we're going to read through it, um, but we're going to be prepped so we can see um, exactly all these different spots um, where this psalm points to Jesus. And this is the thing I want you to really focus on with this psalm, is that this psalm is about Jesus. Uh, Of course, we remember all the psalms, all the Old Testament, all the New Testament, it all points to Jesus uh, in one way or another. Um, But this one, it isn't as easy to see uh, straightforward. But when you know what to look for, boy, it just, you can see it in almost every word. Um, so this psalm, it's interesting, it's, it's a psalm to a princess. Um, it's, imagine it is uh, the, the speaker of the court uh, addressing a princess. Uh, it's a foreign princess who's come to marry the king of Israel. And so the speaker of this psalm is telling this princess what life is going to be like. Uh, and sometimes he speaks to the princess, sometimes he speaks to this king of Israel. Um, but it's, he's looking forward to this marriage that is going to happen between this princess and this king, and how this princess is going to be a queen. Um, and it's this beautiful image. Now, if you don't know what to look for, you just think, well, this is kind of weird. Okay, it's about this random princess marrying a Hebrew king, and maybe it's about Solomon or, or someone else. Uh, who knows? But actually, when you look closely, you realize this actually doesn't fit any actual king of Israel who had existed in the Old Testament. It's actually looking forward to someone else who hasn't come yet. And the princess is not actually just one single person. The princess is actually the church. The princess is all believers who are being brought in as the bride. Uh, So before we read this, I actually want to look at two other passages. Um, So many times we see this image that Christ is the bridegroom, and the church is the bride. Um, And one of the places that we see this is in Ephesians, Ephesians 5. And this is one that gets used very often at weddings. Um, Now, some people don't like it because at one part when it talks to uh, the wives, it uses the word submit, which submit is not really a word we like so much. But I'm not even going to look at that this time. Uh, Instead, I want to look at what it says to the husbands. So this is Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, 
that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present to the church, he might present the church to himself in splendor, without a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hates his own flesh, but cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a wife shall leave his father and mother and hold. A man shall leave, fa- leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become flat, one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. All right, and the next one I want to look at is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. It's Revelation 21, and it speaks of heaven. It speaks of the final day and the beautiful promise that the church has um, in the new Jerusalem. This is Psalm, or sorry, Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. So we see this image of the church as the bride of Christ. Christ is the bride who lays down his life, who presents this bride to himself. He, he washes this bride clean. She is filthy uh, on her own, but through Christ's blood, he washes her clean so that he can present her to himself as perfect. And he loves and cherishes his bride. Another time that we see the same image is in the book of Hosea, where Hosea is told to marry a prostitute. And God says, this is, this is an image of what my love for Israel is like, because this woman is so unfaithful and she keeps running to other men. Um, but Hosea keeps bringing her back and forgiving her. And that's the same thing with Christ and his church. We as his people, we constantly run to other things. But Christ constantly brings him back, washes us clean again, presents us as clean again to be his bride. And one day, he will marry the church perfectly. And that is, we get to dwell forever with God. Um, And that's the great wedding feast. And that's why oftentimes we talk about That second coming is the great marriage feast of the Lamb, when finally man and God will can dwell together perfectly. Um, It's it's beautiful and it's powerful, and then it also adds so much to marriage when we realize this is supposed to be an image of what the church's relationship with Christ should be. So, when a husband and wife love each other, when the husband is ready to sacrifice himself and give anything for his wife, when the wife is ready to respect and submit and love the husband, it is this beautiful picture. Um, That's what we're called to be because we're called to be these pale reflections of that true reality of Christ and the church. So I want to read this, but I also want you to just look for little things that might reference Christ. For instance, when the speaker, the guy who's saying this psalm like this court Um, I don't know, steward or something who's saying this, notice how he addresses the king, because sometimes he will say 
He will refer to God like the Heavenly Father, but sometimes he refers to the king himself as God, almost as if the king is God himself incarnate. Interesting. Another time you will notice it speaks of fragrances of myrrhs, as in gold frankincense and myrrh, and aloes, as in the things that Jesus' body was wrapped in when he was put in the tomb. Um, And you'll see so much more, but let's get into it. So as I'm reading this, think how this is not just any king of Israel. This is speaking about Christ. So Psalm 45. To the choir master, according to the lilies, a maskil of the sons of Korah, a love song. My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like a pen of a ready scribe. You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured from your lips. Therefore, God blessed you forever. Gird up your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and majesty. In your majesty, ride out victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome deeds. Your arrows are sharp. In the heart of the king's enemies, the people fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Your robes are all fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. From ivory palaces, string instruments make you glad. Daughters of kings are among your ladies of honor. At your right hand stands the queen in gold of Ophir. O hear, daughter, and consider, incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty. Since he is your lord, bow to him. The people of Tyre will seek your favor with gifts, the richest of people. All glorious is the princess in her chamber, with robes interwoven with gold. And in many-colored robes she is led to the king, with her virgin companions following behind her. With joy and gladness they are led along as they enter the palace of the king. In the place of your fathers shall be your sons. You will make them princes in all the earth. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. Amen. So you see, this is so much grander than just one single human king, and I mean merely human king, and one earthly princess. This is the great drama of the true king of Israel and his church. Also, one thing I wanted to point out, there's one verse that I think captures it so well in verse 7, where the, the one speaking in this psalm says, You have loved uprighteousness and hated wickedness, therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And it almost sounds like he's addressing the king as God, but then also speaking about your God. Um, And that's that beautiful truth that Jesus, though he is 100% human, is fully God. Um, And then also, you'll notice, has anointed you. Anoint, in Hebrew, is where we get the word Messiah. And anoint, in Greek, 
is Christ. So literally, it's saying that my God, your God, has anointed you, which we could say the same of Jesus. We could say, Jesus, the Father, has chosen you. He's anointed you to be the Savior of the world. Um, it's beautiful. It's it's woven through um, with uh, with Christ the whole way through. And this is something I've said it before. Um, so many of the ancient Christians, they saw this and they said, listen, Jesus is in every page of this Bible. It's all pointing forward to him. It's all about him. So there's sometimes a phrase people say, the Bible stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. No, that's not what the Bible's about. The Bible's about Jesus, first and foremost. That's it. All right, well, let's close in a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you send the great bridegroom, Jesus Christ, to save his people. Lord, we're sorry that we as the church, we are so often unfaithful, that we often are covered with the filthiness of our own sin. But Lord, we thank you that through your Son, Jesus Christ, you clean us, you restore us, you make us beautiful, so that someday, in true perfection, we will enter into your kingdom at the great wedding feast. Lord, Help us never lose faith in that day. Lord, prepare your church for the glory you have prepared for her. Keep us humble in your, and bold in your precious Son's name. Amen. All right, brothers and sisters, I hope this was a blessing to you. I hope that you have a wonderful day. God's peace. Until next time. Thank you for joining us. As a reminder, follow Christ Bray on all social media outlets. Visit ChristBray.org. We'll see you next time.